uh, our study. It's a, it's a new study. Repeat it with me, please. Say the truth. In the next uh, few weeks, we're going to embark on a journey where I talk about the truth about. Each week, I'll take on something about truth that is um, helpful to you. And I, I like, personally, the idea that somebody sits me down and says, Temple, I know you think this, but that's not the truth. The truth is, that's not the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, I know about that. Come on, tell them. I, I do. I know about times when I thought I knew something and I was totally and completely wrong. Anybody know about that? I thought that um, I understood money until I had challenges with money. I thought I understood family and marriage until I had trouble with family and marriage. When I thought I walked into marriage and on the first day it was clear to me, there was no confusion, and then I discovered that Diane doesn't talk like me. Sometimes my language is not her language. Anybody know about that? And when those days come and those moments come, what do you do? Well, some people, they, they lose faith and they give up, and some people surrender, and some people, they become distraught. I think what happens if you're smart, if you open your heart, God will show you a new way, and I'm trying to get smarter every day. I'm praying this prayer, Lord, show me a way to relate beyond what I see. Help me not see every relationship through my own eyes. Help me embrace others. Help me respect the differences of those I deal with. And help me never be the kind of person who can't receive instruction and guidance. May I not get confused with, and confused rather, coaching with criticism. Sometimes people are just trying to coach you. They're not trying to criticize you. And so, Father, I pray today that as we study this sermon, the truth, that you'd help us. It's hard sometimes to see it. Everybody say amen to that. It's hard sometimes to say, I didn't know the truth about this. I thought I did. Last week we talked about the truth about why families lose control. What's the real reason behind it? And I told you last week, somebody knows. Somebody can trace it back to an uncle who molested the girls in the house. And all the girls now have this feisty fight about them because that's so that never happened to me again. Somebody knows the truth about why that, that person ran out of money. It wasn't because they were irresponsible. They had a medical challenge, and that medical challenge jumped into their finances and attacked them in a way that they never expected. The truth about your life. I almost took this series and talked about theological truth. You know, preachers like to do that, you know, the Bible say and get real deep. But I, I, didn't, I said I don't want to do that. The reason I don't want to do that is because I don't think it, well, it's, 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 just, it's, it's wonderful to talk about that, but I don't know that for some of us in our day-to-day -day life, the issue is not a specific issue, something that, you, something that you fight, something that you deal with, something that you only know the truth about. So, for example, it may be academic. And you know that you didn't get the foundation that you needed. That's why. That's the truth about your education. The truth about your home life is it's just not fun to be there. That's the truth. That's why you're always in the street hanging out with people. That's the truth. You drink because the truth is it's not 
it's not a fun life for you. And the people you deal with aren't nice or easy to deal with. They're frustrating. And you, the truth about those things make it hard for you to get past them. So in this study, my goal is to take you on a journey and show you the truth about a man named McFibosheth. I want to show, take you on a journey and show you a guy who had something that's called damage. And this damage was in his life for years. It was something that he did not cause. He did not bring it upon himself. It was damage brought by somebody else. He was the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul, the king. And there was this season in his life when um, he was very, very young, when there was a major transition in the family. King Saul was no longer going to be king. And when King Saul died and his father, Jonathan, died, a nanny was afraid, and she picked him up and ran with him. And she ran and dropped him and broke his feet. And so for the rest of his life, he was damaged. Can you say damaged? damaged. But it was not his fault. A lot of people that are damaged didn't do anything. They inherited damage. But what's interesting in this story is the person who did it didn't mean to do it. You ever damage somebody and you didn't mean to? You ever say things and, you know, parents see it sometimes as their kids grow older and they say, I was a little bit too mean. I was a little bit too distant. Fathers say that all the time. I should have been around a little bit more. They, they find themselves in a place where they have to say, you know, I did my best, but my best wasn't enough. My best was not good enough. I found that I tried, but I, I didn't know how to try. I I tried to love, I tried to help, I tried to do, but I could not figure out what to do. I, I, I sought answers in places, but in the end, I look at my kids, I look at my company, and it's all damaged, and I didn't mean to. That's the story of the woman who dropped McFibosheth. But what's amazing in this story is it's a great story of redemption, because just because you were damaged doesn't mean you can't be redeemed. Just because something happened to you does not mean that God can't fix it. And so I want you to, first of all, think of my big question for the day. I want you to look back in your life and ask yourself, when did this damage happen? How long ago was it? Can you pinpoint when the damage happened in your life? And if you can pinpoint when it happened, I want to show you in this story how God can take you from damaged to redeemed and how God can fix your life no matter what happened to you no matter what disappointment you faced your God is able can you lift your hand with me please come on say my God is able I'm gonna say it again say my God, my God is, able. is able and it's important for you to hear this because there are times when you're damaged you don't believe that there are times when you're damaged when you're struggling and you can't see a possible way that someone that's come through the road you've come through and here's the sad part Sometimes you live in a life you can't tell anybody about it. You see, the story of McFibosheth is McFibosheth can't tell anybody because he was the son of the previous uh, king. He was the grandson, and normally they killed all of the family to make sure nobody tried to take over the kingdom. And if you know the story of David and Saul, his grandfather, David chased him for years. Over 20 years, chased him, tried to kill him 
over and over and over again. I'm sorry, in David's 20s. I think David, he started chasing David in his early 20s. All of David's 20s, he was being pursued by Saul. Imagine that. Imagine being frustrated all of your life. Imagine being frustrated all of your life. And when you're frustrated, my wife says, I need to fix my tie. Is my tie straight now, baby? Do I look good for you or not? Is that right? Is that right? It's gone. Come up here. Come up here. No, I want you. You. I want you. I want you to come up here. Since y'all back there waving at me, I don't know what's happening. I'm just, no, don't, don't bring him. Don't bring nobody. Don't bring no help. Come by yourself. Stand alone by your man. Come you don't know how to fix it? Stand up. No, Do I not, it, it, he brought it to my it, attention. Yeah, it's bad again. It don't look no, good. Work it out. Center it, baby. Don't, no, don't look for help. Work by yourself. Work by yourself. You got me straight? You straight? It ain't straight? It ain't, it ain't straight? That's it? Is that better? How many of y'all saw it was crooked? And you didn't say nothing? Thank you. You didn't say nothing. I don't know. I tell you what I'm gonna do. Let it all go in Jesus' name. Yeah, take it with you. Take it with you. Take it with you. Take it with you. Bam! Now, take that. Now, if anything else happened with it, it's gonna be in Jesus' name. Praise God. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> it's a Sean John shirt. It's a nice shirt, but it was sliding down on the way in. So I said, well, let me go put a tie on to keep it straight. Then the tie got crooked. That ain't nothing but the devil. Come on, say amen, right? Brother done tried all he can, so that's it. Now, if anything else go wrong, it's all right today. Amen. All right, come on, praise God. The truth about your clothes. Amen. <laughs> there are times in your life when something happened to you. And the, the, the power of God, I believe, can come into your life and, and do something. And that's what this story is about, that you never imagined. This is a guy that God's going to fix. This is a guy that God is going to turn his whole life around. And he never imagined this kind of redemption. And I believe that's true for you. I believe that God is going to do something for you. I know he's already working for me in ways that are amazing. I'm beginning to watch him prosper me. I'm watching him guide me to opportunities. I'm watching him show me. And, and what's really interesting is it's not the way I thought it would come. It's not, it's not something I could have planned for. And, and I've learned something else. It's not something I could even ask for. There are some opportunities, there are some things that you can't ask for. If you ask for it, you're arrogant. If you ask for it, you're, you're out of order. But I believe that God can bring a blessing into your life that you didn't ask for, that God can prosper you. Come on, say amen if you hear me. He can, he can do something for you that's amazing if you're willing to wait. This is a story about a man who waited all of his life. Can you say all of his life? He waited all of his life and, and didn't know when, didn't know how, don't know his prayers are not revealed. As a matter of fact, we don't even get to hardly hear this man speak. All he says is, I'm your servant. When he finally meets David, he's going he, he's to be just speechless almost. He says a little bit, but not much. 
But I want you to listen carefully to the story, 2 Samuel chapter 9. The Bible says that David, verse 1, said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anybody that is of the house of Saul? Now, that's a strange request because normally the new king doesn't want to hear about the old king. New president don't want to hear about the old president. Y'all stop that. Be good now. <laughs> you have this moment, if you're not careful, where it's all about me, but not, not in this moment because there was something that Jonathan, Saul's son, the previous king's son, did. He built a relationship with David. You never know how valuable some relationships can be long term. That's why you need to be nice to people. Some people burn every bridge. You can't go back to the last job, but they see you. They call the police. They don't want you can't come on the property. They, oh, Lord, they're back in here. There's something about learning how to build a future, build relationships, build trust. Jonathan loved David, and Jonathan was one who was deeply committed to David. It was interesting that in the description uh, of their relationship, if I can skip down to the second note here, verse 26, he says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. This is a description, 2 Samuel 1, 26. This is a description of how close Jonathan and David were. He said, you've been pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing anything of a woman. This is not a romantic relationship. Some people have taken this to mean that, and it's not. It's, it's saying our relationship is, is, is deep brotherhood, strong. That's how David described his relationship with Jonathan. That is Mephibosheth's father. Now, I want you to know when going backwards a little bit here, 2 Samuel 9, 1 again, when David asked this question, he was thinking about that. Just reminiscing about how close he was to Jonathan. And he says, is there anybody left? And verse 2 said of 2 Samuel 9, in, in 1, 9, 9, he said, verse 2, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Arise. Or he said, I'm sorry, he said, Are you Ziba, rather? And he said, At your service. I am Ziba, and I'm here to serve. And he guides David to Mephibosheth's house. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. This is probably a moment that Mephibosheth has wanted to avoid because you don't want to be brought up on the radar when you are the ex-king's ex-leader's son because they might kill you. So all of his life he's lived in, 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 in a place with broken feet and people probably didn't know who he was. You try to live quiet off the radar and all of a sudden now David is asking for you. He's hunted you down and so imagine with me in 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 3 skip down with me to verse 4 so the king said to him where is he? In verse 4, and Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Maker and Amiel in a place called Lodabar. Can you say Lodabar? It's a great name. The king David sent and brought him out of the house of Maker 
the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Can you imagine what that ride was like? What does he want? Have I been discovered? There's a sense of hopelessness. David says to him in verse 6 of chapter 9, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, I guess so, prostrated himself. I want you to know this is a man on the floor. He's not just on his knees. He, he prostrated. And then he said, uh, here is your what? Servant. Now, this is a moment where you're going to see how profoundly powerful your God is. How God can do abundantly above all you can ask or think. This is that moment that describes that great moment I remember when I first got married and we were tight, tight, tight. Anybody know about tight? And we looked up and got a $4,000 check in the mail. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, I say it loud now. Come on, say, thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, there are moments you know what tight, tight's like. Tight is when you don't have money to go get anything at the store. You, get, you have to hunt down the change. Anybody ever want a change hunt? You go looking for change. You say, babe, we used to want to go to the drive-in movies. Anybody know about the drive-in? And Diane and I used to want to go in L.A. to the drive-in movie right after we got married. And I was still in school. And uh, so we would have to hunt down some change. She said, I, said, I found a quarter. She said, I found 50 cents. We piece it together, and then we go to the drive-in theater and sit there in, in the back seat and watch the movie. Now, when you're married, you sit in the back seat, and all you do is watch the movie. You know that, right? <laughs> That's a sign you're married. Yeah, so I'm watching the movie, now watch it. You know? <laughs> and I tell you, man, I, I just remember those days, and this is one of those moments, those scary moments when you're not sure. You know, I, I believe that God knows that we are basically scary people. We tend to, when things happen, imagine the worst. Rather than imagine the worst, why don't you try something new? Why don't you just believe God's favors on your life? Why don't you just believe that God's hands on your life? Whenever I'm driving downtown or someplace and I can't find a parking space, I press, I believe favors on my life. I do. I pray the prayer, and most time, almost all the time, I get a space. But I say, I, if, if I don't get a space, I know God's saying, "Go home." Praise God. But, but I believe there's favor on my life. Can you say favor, favor. is on my life? You just say it like you mean it. Come on, say favor, favor. is on my life. Say it again. Come on, say favor, favor. is on my life. And if you really want to say it right, say favor, favor. is on my life. There's something when you understand that God's favor is on your life and no matter what anybody does to you or thinks about you or says about you, it doesn't matter God's favor is on your life and so he's stressed out on the floor he doesn't know what's going to happen and all of a sudden chapter 9 verse 7 of 2nd Samuel David says some words that sounded good do not fear it I like that you can see it all over him I guess you would look like you're afraid you're stressed out face on the floor <laughs> And all you can say is, I'm your servant. Down again. He says, do not fear. Here's what he said. For I surely will show you kindness because of your daddy. Lord have mercy. Almost daddy's father's day sermon. For Jonathan's sake. Let me ask you a question. 
would your life send favor to your children after you're gone? Something about this moment. Now, now, don't get all hung up on the daddy thing, okay? Don't get lost. Some of you brothers, no, my daddy wasn't there. Don't get on. Don't, I'm not talking about your daddy. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about what your daddy did or did not do or what your daddy was or was not. That's not the conversation today. I'm talking about you. I want to talk about what you're going to send down the road. Now, please understand that Jonathan has been dead a long time. This is a grown man now. But daddy's harvest is coming down the road to him. Because daddy knew how to act and daddy knew how to treat people and daddy knew how to talk to people and daddy knew how to be honorable because of daddy now. David can't forget his father. See, it all started with the memory. When he thought about Jonathan, that's what made him say those amazing words. Is there anybody left? Anybody, anybody at all left of the house of Saul? Doesn't this have to be his son? It could have been his cousin. It could have been anybody. Is there anybody left? Have you ever been the last one? And in the moment, this moment, I want you to notice this incredible thing happens. He stands before David and he said, because of your father Jonathan's sake, I'm going to restore all the land of Saul, your grandfather. Now that's a moment right there. You went from broke to money. You went from being a, a, a renter to a, a landowner. I mean, this is amazing. I, 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 you can't talk now. You're just a little quiet. Now, it gets better, though. He says, uh, and also, I want you to eat at my table continually. You don't have to even cook anymore. Then he bowed himself and said some amazing words. Listen to what, listen. He didn't say much, but listen to what he said. What is your servant that you should, you should look upon such a dead dog as I? It's bad when you don't believe in yourself. It's bad when you see yourself as a, not just a, a living dog, a dead dog. I'm a dead dog. But that's how he saw himself. But that's not how David saw him. And sometimes you see yourself as having no more hope. You see yourself as having no more life, no more potential, no more strength. But God looks at you and says, no, I got a plan for your life. Come on, say amen. I got a plan. I got a plan for your life. And I want you to notice David steps right over it, ignores it. I believe sometimes in your life you need somebody to speak to you, somebody to speak life to you. The king, verse 9, called to Ziba, ignored him totally. Sometimes you just can't say anymore to this person. He's going to have to catch up. That's what I call it. Whenever I deal with people and I know I can't get through, I say something in my head. They'll catch up later. That's my little sign. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. No, say it like a minute. Come on. What? I just can't spend any more time. Trying to say this, they'll just have to catch up a little later. Uh, and don't, you know, smile when you say it. Some of you say, are you saying that? My, what are you saying to me, Pastor Rick? Are you saying catch up later? Uh, you need to just catch up later. I cannot emotionally. And that's what he does. David steps over what he says because that's an insecurity he can't fix right now. Do you understand that people can't fix your insecurity? Sometimes unless you're willing to address it yourself. 
There's a new series I got coming called The Power of Your Faith. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. You know that some things can't change until your faith changes. The power of what you believe. You are where you are because of what you believe. This is a moment where his faithfulness, his good attitude, God's grace and favor has come upon his life and he's still struggling with his identity. I've seen people didn't have a good job and they struggled and got a good job and they're still struggling. You struggle when, you, when you, all, you had all the weight, you lost all the weight and you're still cranky. You, you know, you, if you're not careful, you had no husband and no children. Now you got a husband and children and you're more cranky. If you're not careful, there are moments when God just has to move past you and let you catch up. And so he steps back, David does, turns from him, doesn't answer it, doesn't try to encourage him, doesn't say you're not a dead dog, doesn't say anything. He turns to Ziba and he just starts talking to Ziba and here's what he said. He said, I have given to your master's son all that belongs to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have found to eat. But, watch this now, my servant may have food to eat rather, but Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table. Now you got to imagine, he's standing there with his mouth open. I went from broke to money. I've now got servants and it gets better he tells him, he says, now, I want you to serve him, and I want you to take care of all of his land, and I, he's going to eat at my house from now on. And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. He gave him a big staff right off the bat. He came in broke. He went out blessed. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, say amen, church. Amen. You can come in one way and go out another way. Do you believe your God's able? Yes. Lift your hand up and say, my God is able. Yes. Come on, say, my God is able. What good are you reading this Bible if you don't believe it can happen in your life? Why are you in here today if you don't believe God can change your life? You need to go home. If you don't believe that your God is able to bless your life and bring favor over your life, why are you in church and why do you have a Bible? I say my God is able. Come on, church. I believe that our God can do amazing things in our life. He can change the whole trajectory of your life. All he needs is you to just wait. I love the story of Moses. I love that story when Moses' mama was trying to hide him because Pharaoh was killing all the little babies and, 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 and all the Israeli babies. And so she didn't know. She waited to the last minute till she couldn't hide him anymore. And she put him in the water. And she said, she just prayed, put him in the water. Sometimes you can't do anything. You can't fix anything. You can't save your job. You can't save anything. You, you can't fix any financial issues. It's a mess. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you, she just put him in that water and let him ride. And she watched him. And, and, and I want you to watch. His, his sister, little sister Miriam, watched him. Watched him and watched him go out and knew that Moses, baby Moses, was going to be dead. And so watch what happened all of a sudden. God elbowed, turned the neck of, uh, of, of Pharaoh's wife. And she looked out and saw that little baby going. And then she said, go get that baby. Go get that baby. And she went, they went and got the baby and brought him in. And it was Moses. And the Bible says she looked at him and fell in love with him. He looked so good. God can make you look good when you're ugly. Come on, say amen. You know I'm telling the truth. God. <laughs> God can fix your life. You can smile at the right moment. 
she looked up, smiled, and she said, I called him Moses, which means drawn out. Oh, God can draw you out of one mess and fix your life. And then, that ain't the good part. Let me tell you what happened. He called the mother of Moses, who put him in the water, and said, come here, you. Yes, you, you. Come here. And the mother came over quiet, didn't say nothing, didn't say, that's my baby. Hope he don't look like me right now. Didn't say nothing. And she said, I want you to take care of this baby. I'm going to pay you to do it. Can you believe that? Come on, God is able. Come on, say, God is able. Favor's over my life. Favor is over my life. Some of you need to believe that your God is able. You need to stop going around saying you're a dead dog. You're not a dead dog. You got to come on and catch up. God sees a potential in you that you got to see in yourself. It's time for you to rise up and believe that your God is able. Come on, say, my God is able. Now, this story is amazing because it shows you the power that God can bring in your life. Now, I close with this question. What is your story? You got one. Maybe you were dropped, hurt by somebody who didn't mean to. Or maybe you were hurt by somebody who did. What's your story? See, when you read the Bible, it's designed to make you think about your story. What hurt you? What circumstances did you face? But I don't care what they were. Your God is able to take your life. I'm beginning to confess that as I, as I grow older here, I'm amazed at the an interesting fact. I met last night with all the retired people and all those who were that close to retirement. And I let them decide when you thought that was you. And some of them came, they, they were a year from retirement, some were six months from retirement. But I said, if you, if you think you're that close, come on in here. And we sat in the room. And there was this amazing moment as we talked. And I thought, I think 75 people signed up for it. And in that, in that discussion, in that small group setting, something rose up in me. The temptation for you at some certain seasons of your life is to give up on your life. But here's what those retired people learn. When I get through walking around the golf course, when I get through doing a few things, I want purpose. I want to feel like I rise in the morning with something to do. And I, I like the fact that in that room I was inspired to believe that God can do something amazing. There's a book I'm reading called Seniors right now. And in this book, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm, I'm reading about people that are 60 and older and who do amazing things in their life. And I believe that your life, whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, God is able. And so I want you to lift your hand with me again and declare with me in Jesus' name. Say, favor, favor. is on my, on my life. No matter my age, no matter, age. No matter the season, no matter the season. In, the in the name of Jesus, favor, favor. is on my life. On my life. Put your hands down. Caleb was 80-some years old, and he said, give me that mountain because he knew favor was on his life. Do you believe in yourself? Do you think you're a dead dog? I hope not. I want you to say, stop saying that, those things about yourself. If you look in the mirror and there's too much weight on that side, turn on the thin side. <laughs> Come on, say man. Turn, Just turn a little bit. Turn a little bit. Keep on working out. Keep on trying now. Keep on watching your diet. Keep on praying. But I want you to believe in yourself. If you got an ugly foot, don't put it out. Put the pretty foot out. Just <laughs> put the pretty foot out. Let everybody see them toes, the pretty toes, you know. You know what I mean? If it's bad looking, go get them fixed up. Get your feet done. Praise God if you're a lady. Get them up. Call them if they're real bad. Put some toes. Do, do what you can. Work on it. Come on. Amen. Work on it. Work on it. Get your hair cut. Do something. But believe. Act like. 
talk like. Jesus said when you fast, don't look ugly. Look good. Don't look like a person who's struggling. And what about people that don't get it? Let them catch up. But you need to get focused on your life. So, Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for what we talked about. I pray that this has inspired us to believe. The power of what we believe can change our lives. If we start believing again, favor, opportunity, God will put our names on the minds of people. God will open doors for us if we seek, knock, and ask without fear. If we stay humble with the right spirit, if we're not arrogant, you can prosper us. And so, God, I declare it over your people's lives. I think your hands ought to be up. Come on, Father, I declare it. I declare it in Jesus' name. Peace in Jesus' name. Grace in your name. We declare in Jesus' name. Come on, just worship God for a minute. Just, Father, we worship you. We declare it in Jesus' name. Now, with every hand down, every head bowed for a moment, if you're here today and your issue is you've never given your life to Jesus, I try to ask this every service to give everybody a chance. You might say, I'm a good person. You might have been a person in church all your life. You might have been incredible in a lot of ways, done a lot of good, but you know the truth. The truth is you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never really said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And you're catching up today. Today you say, I get it. So I want to pray for you. If you want to give Christ your life, you want to start a new life with Jesus today. And you really mean that. Now, now I'm not saying you're going to be perfect overnight. But you want me to pray this prayer for you. Jesus died so you can have this moment. I want you right now to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Say, pray for me, Pastor. That's my prayer. Pray for me today. I want Jesus to start. I see you. Anybody else? Just put your hand up. Put it right back down. Say, let's pray for me. Pray for me, Pastor. I want, I need, I, thank you. I need God to do something in my life. I realize you're a good person. No one says you're not, but you need to make a new start with God. You know that. And that's something I'm going to pray for. Anybody else? Pray. There's something powerful about saying pray for me. There really is. There's something powerful. Father, today in Jesus' name, I pray for those who raised their hand and some who raised their hearts. I pray for those who are here and those who are home. Let this be a moment of healing and deliverance for them. I pray, God, in your name that the spirit of the living God would empower them today in a new way. You died on the cross that they might be free. You gave us, Lord God, a great sacrifice so that our lives could be forgiven. So we honor you and we thank you for the favor on our life and for the forgiveness that we receive in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Now, I'd like you to go ahead, if you would, please. Thank you for being with us. If you're here and you've never been here before, you prayed that prayer.